Hi everyone, my name is Yaro, and you're listening to the Creative Nature Podcast. I wanted to do a kind of roughly solo episode for a little while, and I think today is the day. <clears throat> so thank you so much for joining me. I want to talk about navigating the pandemic as a survivor. I have thoughts about personal space and memory and navigating anxiety, all those kinds of things. I'm not going to be talking about anything graphic today, so I think, um, yeah, just wanted to give you a heads up for that. And before I start to dive in, I also want to remind you of the grief tanning session that I'm running on July 31st. So you can sign up for that for free. I'll link to it in the show notes, and I would love to see you there. Okay, so where is this coming from? I guess I am thinking about touch as a love language and also as a source of trauma and pain and anxiety and questions of identity at the moment. Um, I'm recording this in early, actually mid-July, oh my god, time, in mid-July in the UK and it's a weird spot in the pandemic. I think there's a sense of exhaustion, there's also a lot of sense of chaos from the government, a lot of mixed messages and things moving around and I feel a real lack of clarity that makes me quite angry actually. And our numbers are quite high at the moment. I think the last time I checked last week, one in a hundred people in Scotland where I live currently had COVID. Um, A lot of people are vaccinated, um, but a lot of people are not or not fully vaccinated. I only had my first shot so far. And so, yeah, it's summer. It's certainly easier to be outside and meet friends that way. But um, the new variant called Delta that we're dealing with at the moment is a lot more infectious. So I think we're still learning about exactly what that means um and it's certainly making things a little bit more complicated so i guess i'm just saying all this to kind of contextualize where my thoughts are coming from at the moment i think as a person i've long seen touch as a love language in my life it's really important to be to me to be affectionate with my friends uh, with just people i love and So I've really been missing that. And this year in particular, after the accident I had on New Year's Eve, um, I've mostly, mainly been touched by medical staff in ways that weren't always pleasant, often actually painful, and really just kind of made me miss the kind of touch I really wanted even more. Sometimes I think being in my home, which I really love and feel so, so grateful for, I have a little garden. Um, It's more like a yard. <clears throat> it's really not very big, but it's probably the best for me right now because I'm not a very experienced gardener. I'm very keen and excited, but I don't really know what I'm doing. So it feels like a small, manageable space, has, has a lot of light. Um, and very friendly plants and a lot of moss um, and it's also kind of a bit not hilly because that makes it sounds very big I uh, just don't know the English word I guess it's not flat you know <laughs> it's just uh, it kind of you can roll a little ball 
down my little patch of green very easily. That's what I'm trying to say. So I'm often lying there just looking at the sky um, and enjoying the quiet and the bird song and the sounds that the trees make. And there's really in a way nowhere I would rather be right now. And it's made being in this time so much easier for me. And I really, I wish that kind of outside space for everyone. And also I think being here and having my world become so small um, because I wasn't really able to walk for most of the year so far. I sometimes felt like a spaceship, you know, like you just, you're just kind of in this caps capsule um, that you're not really leaving and it has this window into the outside world. Actually from my bedroom window I can uh, almost look over to the city Edinburgh across the water. But it feels very removed and so yeah working here being here you know eating here being with my dogs it has felt like I am an island in a space spaceship basically and the other day um actually on the new moon and cancer this weekend <clears throat> I've been thinking about what this does to me in my sense of boundaries and protection and how I'm navigating relationships with other people as well and while this has been difficult and I don't want to downplay that, what I noticed was this real sense of kind of joy and excitement to see that I'd become so much clearer on where my body begins and ends, if that makes sense. I think in the past, and I've heard other people say this as well, sometimes it's hard to know exactly what our edges are and what we want in relationship to other people. And there's there was an issue in my bathroom, for example. <clears throat> so I fixed that myself now, which I'm very proud of. But briefly, I considered having to call someone in. And it seems so strange to me that someone I'd never met would come into my house, especially into my bathroom, which is like the most private space together with my bedroom, I guess. Not that there's many different spaces, you know, but it just felt really extra private. And... And my whole body was like, no, I really don't want this, you know? I don't want a stranger in my house right now, but I need to get this fixed. And I don't know, maybe this sounds like a really small thing to you. Maybe it's an odd thing to record a whole podcast episode about. But I'm also noticing at the moment that I really enjoy hearing about other people's reflections and something in that really gives me hope. So... I wanted to take this apart a little bit more and think with you about it, I guess. Yeah, so this is element of like having been in my own space, in my own reality for a year and a half with so little interference from other people and just recognizing that as a survivor, sometimes this kind of unwanted interference has really heightened my anxiety and kind of pulled me away from being really intuitive and embodied and knowing what I want and where I am and how I can communicate that. So I feel a heightened sense of that and that makes me feel a little bit hopeful in amongst all these other things that maybe are more challenging than hopeful right now. I think there's this interesting push and pull between making meaning and wanting to create experiences for ourselves but also often letting go and just floating and watching Netflix and I think that 
yeah, really hasn't stopped for me since the very beginning of all this. Wanting to be compassionate and knowing that switching off is really important and a way to process in the background in a way. But also looking back now and thinking, what have I made of this time? And I don't want to give in to these like productivity narratives and you know, I don't think that we all need to learn new languages or <clears throat> whatever, you know, you know what I mean, right? But I also know that when I can untangle myself from these outside expectations a lot, which is actually something I can do more easily in some ways right now, because I'm not interacting with other people in real life as much, then I can see that there's this sense of wanting fulfillment from what I make in my life right like completing something because I've set out to do it is actually a really nice feeling and I think sometimes maybe in the past I've been so angry at capitalism and like so firm and rejecting these notions of productivity that I haven't really articulated that I also want to actually produce things in a way right and so without going too deeply into political theory and <laughs> uh, thoughts on labor and the philosophy of that, yeah, I'm just taking this moment, I guess, to think about the year ahead. Um, there's the Gregorian calendar, which never felt quite right to me. There's the wheel of the year. But to be really honest, and maybe this is weird, but at the moment I'm really finding myself thinking in the academic years, so thinking about what's going to happen in September when this new academic year starts. I've enrolled at the Open University last summer to study philosophy and that has come to an end last month and I really really loved it like so much I can't tell you it felt like oh I had found something that really stimulated and excited me and I was able to do that really completely in my own space in my own time it could potentially have been an interactive experience for me. There were lots of opportunities to go to online tutorials and talk to other students online. But to be honest, I didn't really do that. I just spent time with these treasured books and was reading them by myself and then writing lots of essays and really enjoying that process. And so, yeah, at the moment, I'm wondering what I'll do in the next academic year. I'm not sure, and I'm really grateful that uh, study here in Scotland is much more affordable than it is in England and in many other places in the world. Um, I also have German citizenship where studying is free and there's a couple of, well not actually more than a couple, but there's, there's a few distance universities in Germany that offer free programs to Germans essentially and so I have a lot of opportunities that I feel really grateful for and I want to make sure that I'm making any decision that I do make from a place of just genuinely, genuinely wanting to learn rather than feeling imposter syndrome and thinking that I have to justify my work and that will never really be good enough. And really, to be honest, at the end of the day, I think sometimes there has been this feeling of me needing to earn my place in the world by being good and learning more and doing the right thing and I wonder if that's I don't you know obviously this this is something that everyone can feel but it does also feel related to 
or tied to in some way to some of the painful experiences that I have had in my life. So I'm questioning that as well. There's a really funny word in German that I want to share with you. <clears throat> and I don't know if you know this, but Germany, well, German is a language that is difficult to learn, I think. It doesn't sound great to me, to be completely honest. <laughs> but it is my first language and it has some really lovely qualities, one of which is that you can kind of stick words together to invent new ones. And so one word that I've heard quite a bit this past year is Erlebnisdichte, which basically means um, the... Uh, wait, <laughs> let me think... Um, the density of experiences that we have. And so the density of experience, the Erlebnisdichte is really low right now, for me at least, for many people I'm sure. Um, and that clears space, I think, for our minds maybe to process the past in a different way. I know that I had really intense dreams in the beginning of the pandemic when we were all in this really heightened trauma response, which I think is a whole other conversation possibly, but I wonder, you know, like if you feel this way, but I definitely had moments in spring last year where my my mind was freaking out, but my body was also like, oh, we know this feeling, you know, this feeling like nowhere is safe and everything is panic and there's no certainty about what's happening next. I definitely felt like I'd been there before and while it was hard, there was also the sense of like, oh, I, I find this difficult, but I also know my own resilience through times like this and that's helpful not that I would want to experience that again necessarily but yeah maybe you can relate to this if you chose to listen to this particular episode anyway so yeah dreams um, and I'm still having quite intense dreams um, at the moment not in the way that I had in the spring not at the same pace or frequency but um, sometimes I wake up and I'm like huh you know, just how did my brain come up with this stuff? Interesting. And it makes me think about dreaming and daydreaming and both these things being a radical practice and how I wish for more imagination in so many areas of our lives right now and our politics and the way we think about the future. This is just some random stuff that I'm going to share. I'm going to look at my notes and share some random observations around dreams and imagining the future that I made. And I really can't make any promises about that being coherent. But, you know, in a way that is, for me at least, also a part of being a survivor is working in a very nonlinear way and being okay with memory not always being chronologically tangible yeah say it that way um so one of the things that I've observed I had surgery on my leg again three weeks ago which was a bit more difficult than I had anticipated and um yeah it was a bit upsetting because more needed to be done than I had hoped and that was painful physically emotionally I really don't like change I found it hard to be in hospital anyway and so it took me a little while to come to a place of you know, accepting that I was in a cast again, it's off now, and 
yeah, just just being with the reality of my what my leg is. Um, where was I going with that? Oh yeah, okay, I found my thread again. <laughs> um, so as part of me taking two weeks off after the surgery, I started using my old iPhone again, which I'm keeping in a uh, in a somewhere in my house right now. Uh, the word is escaping me of the storage container. Anyway, name. And so I took that out and because I knew I wasn't going to work those two weeks mostly, I wanted to be able to send videos and maybe, you know, scroll. I'm not on social media anymore, which is, again, a different conversation, but I wanted to, I guess, scroll through news and um, I was, yeah, just wanting to be connected in that way in, in that time. And I'm really noticing how I felt much more distracted overall again and I had kind of really hoped to finish a few books in this time off and I did finish some of them but overall there's just so often the sense that reading on paper is really good for my mind and yet I just look at my screen for so much of the day and when will I learn and is it really an effective use of my time to look at my screen this much what does it do more to my body, to the way I process experiences that have been difficult? If, you know, like this hospital experience was difficult and needed to be distracted in some way, but maybe sometimes for me, being on my phone is just kind of drawing out this process of being with the discomfort and processing that. And I also really love books. I treated myself to a second bookshelf for my bedroom last week, which I assembled myself, very proud. This is usually the kind of thing, okay, this is a funny discourse, but in my dating, <clears throat> I'm very independent, you know, <laughs> I run my own business, I live by myself, fucking love it. But I have these sometimes slightly repressed fantasies about being rescued when it comes to furniture assembly where I just want someone to come to my house and assemble things for me. So it was a big step for me to assemble that bookshelf myself and uh, rescue myself, I guess. But anyway, it's up now. I'm looking over at it and I really love it. And I, in this intense loneliness and isolation and the potential of more of that coming in the future, in this winter, maybe next year, just looking at these books as it's each of them being their own little gateway into another world that I get to experience and use to make sense of my own experience and reflect in a way, really kind of non-confrontational way. I'm reading a book at the moment. I'm actually I've almost finished it. It's so beautiful. It's called What My Mother and I Don't Talk About, 15 Stories, oh no, 15 Writers Breaking the Silence. And it's edited by Michelle Philgate. Oh my god, you guys, this book has given me so many good tears. And it didn't force me to tell my own story or to confront my own memories the way I would maybe in talk therapy, which I also like doing, but it's a different thing. It just showed me other people's experiences, it gave me these like little glimpses into other people's lives and their traumas and the way that they've been neglected and hurt <clears throat> and the, just the complexity of family life I guess and intergenerational trauma and it allowed me to process a lot of stuff just kind of in the background by resting um, and that was so beautiful I really treasured that 
and I want to yeah shift my attention more towards books and away from my phone I guess I've also noticed that it's been surprisingly hard to really take time off and how in this past year and a half I've often found real comfort in the structure of my work and how you know I yeah I work for myself I'm mostly a web designer I facilitate communities like the embodied business community I run a program called create and launch at the moment really really loving that loving the people and just feeling so happy that I get to work with fantastic humans um and also noticing that this time after surgery now and back in January um I mean yeah time off is great the spaciousness of that is amazing but it was also hard very confronting and I noticed how how maybe we've unlearned in a way to really be with unstructured days and be comfortable with them and I definitely you know have one or two of those a week and I love them and I love the quiet and I love just pottering around my house uh, wearing almost nothing occasionally going to my garden dipping in a lot of books cooking from scratch and I you know a day like this will pass and I'm like nothing was missing this was beautiful um but more than a week of that gets a bit edgy doesn't it <laughs> and I really felt myself missing work and feeling worried about my low ever low energy levels which made total sense because my body was investing so much time and energy just in healing my leg um, and so there wasn't a ton left and then there immediately is this anxiety of like is it gonna come back though am I gonna be able to go back to how I usually work which isn't full-time and again that's something I'm really grateful for and don't ever want to do again ideally if I can help it but yeah I was like huh mm, that's uncomfortable <laughs> um hmm. I just looking at my notes now thinking about what else I wanted to share with you <sighs> um yeah there's actually a few more things so I wanted to think a little bit more also about reframing experiences and how it's really uncomfortable sometimes to be with someone else's pain and grief right I see this in myself all the time. Actually, just yesterday I saw this in myself where someone shared something with me and I felt a bit overwhelmed and not good enough in how I was meeting their pain. And I'm also, you know, experiencing that from other people when I'm in pain. It's uncomfortable. And we have very little grief literacy, I guess. Um and so anyway where was I going with this um right yes so I think sometimes it's more comfortable when someone shares their pain with us to say or oh, have you considered looking at it that way or have you uh have you uh, do you know about this resource or have you you know have you tried therapy or yoga <laughs> um and I think you know not everyone does this it's also pretty human I'm not trying to be I'm trying not to be judgmental here about this kind of thing that's what I'm trying to say and sometimes a reframe is sincerely helpful and also very often these things are very well-meaning and they don't always work in my own experience and what I mean by that is that I think this past year and a half 
again not being around other people's energy so much and being able to be quiet and listen to myself much more I kind of started observing my own process of reframing things and how it was so much more powerful and grounded and healing when it came really from within myself rather than it being suggested to me by someone else when I haven't asked for it. Um, so to give you an example, I broke my leg really badly on New Year's Eve. Um, I was unable to work the, to walk the first few months of the year. Um, it was really painful. I might have some uh, lifelong limitations I had just had surgery again la la all these things um and most of the time I was met with so much compassion and people really wishing they could come physically and help me um I have a lot of friends who are far away and I felt really loved up by them and physically alone but not alone overall in this experience um but also, of course, sometimes um, I think it's just tempting to say, you know, like, have you, you know, maybe have you manifested this? And it's funny, actually, because two weeks before this accident, I did say um, to someone fantastic that I would love more of a challenge and to go deeper into this experience. And then, you know, I, I obviously did in a really big way. Um, but anyway, that's that's a whole other story. I think what I was trying to say is that sometimes a reframe was suggested to me in this incident and in other occasions in my life that I just wasn't ready for yet. And this year, I really made a point of like shielding myself from that, I guess, and just giving myself time and trusting that I'll come to my own reframe in my own time and that that will be the most self-loving thing really that I can do and so this Saturday for example for the new moon in cancer I did this little ritual which was very low energy because I was very tired but it was so beautiful I was dancing a little bit on my one good leg and I lit candles and I had really nice scents in the air and I played some music and I cuddled my dogs and then I was sitting at my altar and I was like what if this is my wisdom leg and it's really teaching me not to run away from myself or for thing, from things that are important for me to look at and what if this is yes um, potentially a lifelong limitation but also a lifelong cocoon of being able to say no to stuff that I don't want to do because I can't walk there <laughs> and or what if it's like a compass that always tells me when I'm going too fast or when I'm biting off more than I can chew or when I'm rushing around too much. Like that would be, you know, I have this like internal warning system now in the form of swelling and pain and I'm going to have to be really intentional with where I walk and what spaces I navigate and I'm gonna have to think about transport in the future I don't have a driving license uh, at the moment I don't know that I want one I'm a bit scared to be honest um <laughs> but that's a whole other story maybe I want an, an electric tricycle for the future to get to the beach I don't know um but those are you know things that I will think about next year I guess 
Um, but yeah, and, and it felt really peaceful. And I was like, you know, I, I've really learned about my own capacity to be with pain this year, physical pain. Um, and maybe this isn't the end of the world. And I got to know my body in a different way. I was so upset in the beginning to have all this hardware in my body because it felt really invasive. And I think <clears throat> that's, again, something that kind of hit me as a survivor. It hit those parts of myself that have weren't really, you know, that was just still upset that other people had invaded my space in ways that I really didn't want and felt really disempowered by. And... And now I had this accident and obviously, you know, technically hospital was a safe environment and everyone was really professional and boundaried and had my, you know, had my best at heart. But it still felt really overwhelming to be touched by people whose face I could never really see because everyone was masked and people weren't touching me in a comforting, reassuring way. Like there were no hugs or like a hand on my shoulder or something. It was always like twisting and turning my leg, taking x-rays, um, putting a needle in my arm, drawing blood, that kind of stuff. So not actually enjoyable. And yeah, I think um, that that just brought a lot of stuff up for me and to then have this surgery that I didn't really have choice about, you know, like I could have said no to it but it would have had massive consequences for the future of my mobility in my leg it really wasn't actually a choice I needed to have um all this hardware placed and my bone just wouldn't have healed um otherwise the the break was too severe and I I do believe in, in physical miracles for sure and I do believe that our bodies have so much more capacity to heal than we often give them credit for, but I also think like this was a pretty clear situation that <clears throat> that needed required surgery, and so yeah, that was difficult and and I yeah found that painful at times, and it's just been beautiful to see that this all feels a lot more peaceful now. I can run my fingers over my skin and I feel each of these different screws. There's twenty of them and several plates and yeah I can feel them and they've become more of a part of my body than they have been in the beginning and so I guess I just feel a bit more confident in navigating that kind of stuff and being able to breathe through it if I absolutely have to and that is nice right gosh this business a long waffle we're at half an hour now <laughs> thank you so much for listening I want to say it's a really interesting thing to have this space to talk because obviously this isn't really a conversation technically but I have been running this podcast for so many years now five or six I think and I just really appreciate people listening and I think there is an energetic conversation in a way and sometimes you do send me emails and say you enjoyed listening to something and I really appreciate that. I love it and I'm sorry that this is maybe less easy now that I'm not on social media anymore. Um, I will figure out a way to enable comments on my blog so you can also comment on episodes in that way if you want to. But I want to end or close this episode by talking about what I'm wishing for 
the future post-pandemic, which I know we haven't really re reached at all. Um, we possibly haven't even reached a future post-lockdown yet. Um, but we can already dream, right? So I really love tending to my home and my space and my boundaries. And I want to do more of that. That's something I really want to hold on to. I really hope that we'll be rethinking the way we work and the way we offer accessibility to ourselves and others. Um, obviously, working from home um, has been possible for so many more people and there's a class issue as well. But I just overall really hope that we'll talk about the accessibility of our workspaces more um, and that we'll also continue to be more intentional with how we approach our relationships. I think at this time I'm sometimes meeting friends at my garden and I think because the logistics of that are so much more complicated, you know, like how are we going to sit? How are people going to get there? Is it safe enough to use public transport right now? You know, how many vaccinations have people had and so forth? It's invited us to really be mindful of what we want from an encounter. And I really hope that that continues and that we'll no longer do things just because everyone is doing them or because it's like a social obligation. And I hope that the clearing away of those things we don't actually want to do is giving us more time to think and dream and be critical of our governments and find... <coughs> Oh, I'm sorry, that's my dog. He's all right. Find language around um, radical dreaming and restorative justice and what we want for our communities. And also, I think all of us have really loved being in nature as much as we could be through the pandemic. And hopefully that will translate into a really embodied understanding of this planet being the only one we have and how can we act on that and really really be with what we have already done right um and maybe we'll also learn to confront trauma and pain a different way i am german and i so i come from a culture of denial in a way sometimes i feel in one way germany has done a lot of work to do Vergangenheitsbewältigung, another great German word. It's it kind of translates to the process of processing the past, <laughs> Vergangenheitsbewältigung. And in other ways, there's still a lot of denial and a lot of intergenerational silencing and silence, I think, that's really tangible and that does a lot of damage to people and families and communities. Um. I've had many conversations with my grandmothers, for example, about where they were, how they experienced the war, what they were thinking as children. They came back to Germany just after the Second World War. And yeah, what was it like to be a teenager in the aftermath of that, I guess? And it always surprises me that there's not a lot of storytelling going on. And so you know I wasn't there I there's so much I don't know and and don't understand but I I think questions are very important and learning and really confronting that is very important and I also see the damage it can to to avoid that both in my family and why in wider society and so 
not that the pandemic is comparable to the Second World War at all. That's not at all what I'm trying to say. I think those are very different things. Um, but it is a collective trauma, right? And so I really hope that we're not going to repeat the mistake of kind of throwing this blanket of silence over what's been happening and in what ways we have been complicit and what we've been um, trying to do and how we've been showing up for each other in really loving ways as well. Um, I think both the beauty and the pain and the trauma is something that I hope we'll be looking at together for years to come. Okay, I think this is where I'm wanting to end again. Thank you so much for listening. Um, this was good to record. I feel like I needed to get this out, out of myself. And yeah, I'm feeling self-conscious just about how rambly these episodes can be. And I kind of like comfort myself with the thought that this is maybe an experience. The rambliness of mind, I guess, is something that I'm not alone with right now. And so I hope that if anything, if anything that you took from this, it was that you are too not alone in your rumbling mind. Thank you.